You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. So this morning's message, we're going to, uh, let's pray real quick before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost that you are here. Father, I thank you this morning that the word that's coming forth this morning, that it would minister to everyone exactly where they're at. That, Father, no one would receive what I prepared, but everyone would walk out of here with exactly what you have prepared for them. And, Father, we thank you that as we rest in your presence this morning, you are our Heavenly Father. And whatever problems might be weighing down anyone, today we give it to you. We rest in your presence, knowing that you see every problem, and you've already made a way out of it. So this morning we rest in your presence. We rest in you, and we thank you that the work is finished. Jesus, you have qualified us for God's favor. So we thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Are you cold? Are you hot? I wore this jacket thinking, oh, that'll look nice. And now it's like 75 degrees in here. So how are you? And the jacket comes off. (laughs) There we go. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And uh, this morning is coming out of something that I wanted to share a while back, but I was waiting. I didn't feel impressed from the Lord to share it yet. I felt impressed just to hold on to it for a while. And so I did. And I'm glad I did because the more I was able to meditate on it, the more I was able to add to it. In fact, I was adding so much to it that uh, I had to cut a lot of it out because I knew we wouldn't have enough time to cover all of it. Uh, but don't worry, there won't be a part two. <laughs> this year we've done nothing but series, but no series this morning. This morning I want to, um, in fact, I was going to share the title of today's message, and I, you know me, I don't do titles very well, uh, but I, if I had to give a sermon a title, I was going to call it God's Truth is Greater Than Our Unbelief. All right, God's Truth is Greater Than My Unbelief. And uh, that's what I wanted to call it, but the more I, I sat down, I thought, that might be misinterpreted by someone who's going to hear it on the podcast because we have quite a few people listening to our podcast who don't come to our church. And uh, I praise God for that. I really praise God for that because that to me is just awesome that people are getting the message of grace even though they don't come here. So that said, uh, I didn't want anyone to see the title and get confused. All right. But suffice to say, I'm, I'm really excited because, again, this is the truth that God is sharing with me. Even when you are faithless, God is still Faithful. And I think that's something that as a church we need to keep talking about and we need to keep talking about it more and more and more. Because what we, have, what we were taught when we were younger was if you don't have faith, you won't get it. Now let me say this, this, this is be very, very open from the, on, from, the, from the beginning, all right? When it comes to faith, faith, I like to think of faith like this. Faith is the currency of heaven. In other words, if you need something from God, faith is like the money you pay for it. If your faith is equivalent to what you need, you'll get it. In fact, one time there were, um, I think there were 10 lepers, if I'm not mistaken, there were 10 lepers that came to Jesus, and Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. In other words, the healing you'll receive will be equivalent to your level of faith. Every time Jesus did a miracle, faith was always involved. 
But what happened was somewhere, someone picked up on a verse where Jesus said, and we're going to look at it this morning in Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to a man, to a father, who came to Jesus and said, help my unbelief. And Jesus said this, all things are possible to him who believes. So we took that and we made it a way to condemn people. If all things are not possible for you right now, it's because you don't believe enough. Now, we've, we joke about this in the past, and me and my wife, we talk about it. We joke about it, but we also talk about it. Because it's a very, uh, very well-known principle that the church advocated for so long. That, again, if it's not happening, it's because you don't believe. So how do you make yourself believe? How do you step into a place to make yourself believe? And if we're not careful, believing, even faith, can become the ten steps. Why you're not getting the miracle? Because of your unbelief. And then all of a sudden, somewhere, someone showed us that faith really was never supposed to be on us to begin with. That when Jesus made the statement, all things are possible to him who believes, he wasn't talking about you. He was actually talking about himself. And when you understand that truth, you realize, even if I don't have the faith to believe God for the miracle, Jesus always has the faith to believe God for the miracle. And you and me, we are in him. So when I don't have the faith to believe for it, he does. God will always give it to his son. Therefore, God will always give it to who? To you. Now, knowing that, again, I'm not saying we can walk around in unbelief. And let's just be very clear, too, because our, our messages are on podcast. We're not talking about people who have not received Christ. We're talking uniquely and specifically to people who have received Jesus. Once you say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior from your heart, now, in Christ, that's what we're talking about. Now, people in the world who don't believe in Jesus, that's a whole different story. You need to believe in Christ first. In fact, I wanted to share this. I wasn't, but I'll just go ahead and share it now. Under the law, you have to believe God for every single thing. Under the law, you have to be good enough for every single miracle. Do you know that the Jewish people, they saw what God did on Passover. So when God said, all right, let's come out, they all came out. They saw what God did by the blood of the lamb. They all came out. None of their children died. So, of course, they believed God. But then when they arrive at the promised land, a year later, at the Jordan River, the spies come back, give a bad report. And God says, go in anyways. They said, no. The Bible says in Hebrews, in that moment, their unbelief was disobedience. Are you with me? It was disobedience. And it cost them the privilege of whatever God had for them on the other side of the river. Now, suffice to say this. They believed God here. They didn't believe God there. Their unbelief here cost them here. Under the law, you have to believe God every single time. Under grace, God says, believe the one thing and everything else will come to you. Now, what's the one thing we are to believe? That Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. They came to him one time after he fed 5,000 and they said this, what is the work that God requires from all of us? You know what he said? Believe on the one whom God has sent. That's it. You believe on Jesus, everything else will come to you. What if I falter in my believing? It will still come to you. I love the story of Abraham. We're going to get to Romans 10. I love the story of Abraham. You know, because to me, Abraham's story is so, it's so much like us. The law had not yet been given. And when you look at Abraham in the New Testament, it says, despite what Abraham should have believed, he, he received the promise anyways. Despite everything that was in front of him, Abraham believed God anyways. I mean, Abraham looks like this magnificent, awesome man of faith. But when you look at the story of Abraham, that's not what the story looks like. When Abraham was told, you will be a father of many nations, his life is marked by not believing God. Then all of a sudden, one day, he looks up at the stars. God says, it, you will have this many children. This is how many children you'll have. And the Bible says he believed God. God made him righteous forever, like all of us. One moment of believing God, God made him righteous forever. 
And God gave him a promise. Now, was the promise contingent on Abraham faltering later on? Of course not. Once God has told you he'll do something, he is bound by his word to do it. Now, then it becomes this. Has God told you by his stripes you were healed? Then God is bound by his word to do it. You say, well, what if I don't believe here? What if my faith falters in one way or another? We are not under the law. Under the law, if you can't believe God for healing, guess what? You don't get it. Under grace, even if I struggle in believing, even if I struggle in believing in Christ, God is bound by his word. Now, my hope is that by the end of this service, your confidence in him rises. In fact, that's why I said I changed the title to standing confident in God's truth. But let me say it this way. God's truth is so much stronger than your unbelief. Let me ask you this. How many sins did Jesus die for? Oh, is unbelief a sin? Then did Jesus die for all sin? Did he die for your unbelief? Thank you. (laughs) You ready to go home? That's my message. Romans chapter 10. Let's look at Romans 10 real quick. And I want to start where we're all comfortable because we've shared this at least five times over the last like five weeks. Romans chapter 10. It says, but not all the Jews accepted the good news. This is the new century version. I like this version. Um, In fact, almost every other version than the New King James uh, was really good on this. But watch this. It says, but not all the Jews accepted the good news. Isaiah said, Lord, who believed what we have told them? So faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when someone tells them about. Oh, that was weak. Two people. When someone tells them about Christ, not about themselves. When someone tells you about Christ, faith does not come from someone telling you how you're failing. Faith comes when someone tells you about Jesus. That's why in this church we love to talk about Jesus. We don't like when people don't talk about Jesus. We want you to talk about Jesus and we only want people up here who are going to talk about him. Because only when you hear about Jesus will faith rise inside of you. Are you with me? So again, it's hearing about Jesus. Now, in fact, let's move along. Watch this in Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. I know we moved through that pretty quickly, but I want to come to something, all right? Jeremiah 33. Now, verse 6, Jeremiah says this. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. In fact, let me give you the context. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 33. What happens is this. God's people are in captivity and God begins to prophesy through the mouth of Jeremiah. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring them back. Now, Jeremiah 33, go read it for yourself. It's a beautiful chapter. Beautiful. In this chapter, I believe it's in this chapter, God says, I make a covenant with you that I will never stop doing you good. All right. They're in captivity and God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I will never stop doing you good. I will rejoice to be good to you. Now, in the same chapter, I think it's, uh, yeah, same chapter, Jeremiah 33, we come to verse 6. God is prophesying what he will do for them. But he says this, behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Do you know that every promise God gave in the old, you get to enjoy it? Did you know that? Now, what is God's promise to you this morning? I will bring it health and healing, talking about the land. He says this, I will heal them. This is for you. I will heal you and reveal to you the abundance of peace and truth. Isn't that beautiful? This is God's promise to you. Then what does he say in verse 7? And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Now what is God's promise to you? All your sin has been forgiven. Not some 
all your sin has been forgiven. Now, why is it so important that we keep talking about this? Why is it so important? Do you know that when the prodigal son was on his way home, he said this in his mind. He said, when I find my father, I'll tell him, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. Now, listen, in his mind, there was distance between him and his father. And you know why? Because he said, when I see him, I'll tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Sin, sin, the longer you let it sit in your mind, will always create distance between you and God. But when he saw the father, that wasn't the case. When the father saw the son, in spite of his sin, what did the father do? He ran, he hugged him, he kissed him, he put his robe on him, he put his shoes on him, and then he put his ring on him. Are you with me? See, in the church, if we're not careful, we make people think that sin has disqualified them from God. And as long as they think sin has disqualified them, they want to stay away. But the moment you find out the truth, sin has not disqualified you. Jesus took all your sin so that now you can always come back home. Always come back home. I mean, come on. This is what sets people free. We thought for years, if people find out their sin has been, uh, their sin has been completely removed, they'll, they won't, they'll, they'll do whatever they want. No, you will do whatever you want. All right, the rest of us are normal. Right? The rest of us are not looking for a way to sin. We're looking for a way to say, hey, I have the power over sin. And grace gives every one of us the power over sin. Now, what is God's promise to you this morning? I will heal you. I'll reveal the abundance of peace and truth to you. And you know what else I'll do for you? I will remove all your iniquities. Now, notice what he says first. I'll cleanse you from your iniquity. Then what does he say? I will pardon. I'll cleanse you first. I'll pardon you second. Why cleanse first? Because sin is a, it needs to be cleansed. You need to be cleansed. And the word of God cleanses you. Every time you come in, if you have an idea that you've failed in some way, the word of God cleanses you from that moment. Don't get me wrong, Jesus did the real cleansing, but the word of God cleanses your feet. It cleanses you and lets you know, no, 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 you are clean. You are holy. You are pure. As holy as Jesus is, so are you in this world. As pure as Jesus is, so are you in this world. What about my failures? As righteous as Jesus is, so are you in this world. God has pardoned all your sin. Aren't you glad? Now, knowing this truth, knowing this truth, well, it's hard to believe God for healing in this area. Well, it's hard to believe that for God for this in this area. Start with the base. Start with the right foundation. In Psalm 102, I don't think I have some up here. Do I have it? No, I don't. Psalm, I think it's Psalm 103. Is it Psalm 103? Psalm 103, real quick. I always mention it, but I never actually open it to show you. There it is. Psalm 103. Let me read Psalm 103, verse 1 to you. We all know it off the top of our head. Some of, most of us do. If you don't, don't worry. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. First benefit mentioned. Are you ready? When you get a new job and they say, you have benefits, don't you want to know what they are? All right. Here's your benefits. Benefit number one. Who forgives all your iniquities. Aren't you glad? <laughs> number one. You get number one, the rest of them will come. You try to skip number one, you'll struggle with the rest. Number one, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. If your life seems to be going down the drain, he will redeem it. And everyone said, if your life seems to be falling apart, he will redeem it. And everyone said, 
Verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, all the benefits sound great. You get the first one, the rest of them will come. What's the first one? He forgives. He forgives. And not some, not most, not just the ones we remember to ask God for forgiveness for. No, he forgives us of all. You are forgiven. And when you know that you're forgiven, the distance will be closed. Let's keep going. Now watch this in Mark chapter 9. Let's, let's look at this idea of faith real quick. Mark chapter 9. Now Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus has gone up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He has been transfigured. Moses and Elijah appear. Peter, James, and John are also present. Once they disappeared, Jesus comes down the mountain. And he begins to tell them, pretty soon I'll have to die. Pretty soon I'll have to die for all of you. But listen, keep this quiet until I've resurrected. He says all that. He comes down the mountain. On his way down the mountain, a man whose son has been possessed by a demonic spirit. Possessed. All right? Possessed by a demonic spirit. He comes to Jesus' disciples and he says, hey, look, where's Jesus? Jesus is up on the mountain. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> He's up on the mountain and they say, well, he says, well, my son is possessed. Can you help him? So they begin to pray for the boy, but nothing happens. The boy is still possessed. Finally, when they realize that they have failed, they're praying and praying and they're still failing. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up with Peter, James and John. So they run to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. They prayed. Nothing happened. If you can do anything, can you save my son? Jesus looks at him and says this. If you can believe, verse 23, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I opened with that earlier, right? He's not talking about him. He's talking about himself. But watch this. All things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, I love that. We've talked about this before. I love that. I believe. Help my unbelief. Which is it? Do you believe God or do you not believe God? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's like an oxymoron, right? So he, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now watch this. All things are possible to him who believes. If the man believed, he could have told the demon to come out. Right? Jesus didn't even give him the time to figure it out. Jesus just immediately saw the demon is about to get the spotlight. Let me go ahead and handle this. Demon, come out. And immediately the boy is taken care of. Now, what's the, what, what, what am I showing you this for? All things are possible to him who believes. That man had unbelief, but he still got the miracle. Are you with me? That man had unbelief, but he still got the miracle. I mean, that, again, it, it goes against the grain of what we were taught. We were taught if you don't believe, you won't get it. And I'm telling you in Christ, even when you fail in believing, you will still get it. You'll still get it. And you know why you'll get it? Because the blood of Christ has made you so clean, has made you so righteous, and has made you so perfect that now, even though you don't deserve it, in Christ, you deserve everything. In Christ, you deserve every ounce of favor you're ever going to get. You deserve every blessing that God has for you. You deserve every miracle and every healing that God has for you. Because Jesus has qualified you. What if I don't believe? You will still get it. You know, on the night of the Passover, I love this story, and we, we joke about this, but think about it. On the night of the Passover, if you put the blood on the doorpost, when the angel of death comes, he has to do what? He has to pass over. Now, in the house, what if you don't believe in the blood? 
I know that was deep, right? <laughs> what if you don't believe on the blood? What if in the house, you're, you're, you and your, your child are in the house, and the angel of death comes, you hear him coming, right? You hear the wind blowing, and he's all of a sudden, he's outside, you can hear him outside your house. But what if you don't believe the blood is good enough? Will he still pass over? All of us have blood on us. <laughs> you have the blood of Jesus on you. So even when you fail to believe, the blood is still there. Death must still pass over. God must still be truthful to his word. God must still be truthful to his word. And he said, well, Matthew, you're making it too easy. Jesus made it easy. <laughs> Jeez, don't compliment me. Jesus made it easy. He made it so easy. He said again, do the one thing and everything else will come to you. You just do the one. Now, listen, when it comes to faith, faith now, faith, listen, Paul said it like this. If you have faith, have it to who? Yourself. Have it to yourself. If my faith is that God will heal me of this miracle, I don't need doctors. But your faith is, I need a doctor. Keep my faith to myself. Are you with me? I think the word of faith movement, people begin to become judgmental. Oh, God's not going to, God won't, God won't. Look, look, look. God will meet you at the level of your faith. If you believe God is going to use a doctor, then I believe that God will use a doctor. All right? But if I believe, and I'm the one that's sick, that God will not use a doctor, God is going to do it right now, then you know what? That's where God will meet me. What happens is this. We don't, listen, because we are grace people, <laughs> we can be gracious. Don't judge anyone. If your faith is higher than someone else, praise God, come down to their level of faith. Meet them at the level of their faith because that's what your heavenly father does. If you have faith, have it to yourself. Don't judge anyone for not having the amount of faith that you have. But at the same time, knowing this, I hope that this makes you rest more. Again, my hope and prayer at the end of this service is this, that you go home and say, thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Jesus has qualified me. Thank you, Lord. And even the next time a problem comes up, the next time something happens, and you know it's not from God, that you'll begin to say, you know what? I don't have to stress out about it. Because I am in Christ, everything will come to me. You don't have to focus on your faith anymore. You don't have to focus on your, what you've done good and what you have done bad. You just have to enjoy the good life. And everyone said, because Jesus qualified you. Jesus qualified you. Everything God has belongs to you because it belongs to his son and you are in the son. And everyone said, Amen. let's keep going. Mark chapter nine. Now watch this. Oh, we just shared this. Verse 26. Let's, let's fast forward. Look at John chapter 20. Let me show you two stories real quick. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 11. It says, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. I apologize. I do this all the time. I tell you to go somewhere. Then I give you the context. Let me give you the context first. <coughs> John chapter 20. What happened was this. Jesus has been resurrected. This is Resurrection Sunday, right? He's been resurrected, but nobody knows it yet. Mary goes, <coughs> excuse me, Mary goes, and the tomb is empty. So she goes back, she tells the, the disciples, the tomb is empty. They come, Peter and John come, and when they get there, the tomb is empty. So they turn and they go back. Mary is still sitting outside weeping. Now watch this real quick. It said, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now watch this. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. 
Now, real quick, watch this. This speaks volumes to me. I've shared this before, but we never looked at it. This speaks volumes to me. Because in our church, we want to be as accurate as we can. You know that Paul said, rightly divide the word of truth. Did you know that? Paul said, rightly divide the word of God. Don't just preach everything as if it's applicable today because it's not. Like we said two weeks ago, there are some things that Jesus said on that side of the cross that we don't apply on this side of the cross. It is inaccurate to preach the Ten Commandments today. That was the truth for that covenant. We are in a different covenant, so we don't preach the Ten Commandments. Amen? Amen. But knowing that truth, when it comes to that, we want to be as accurate to the Word of God as we can. We want to make sure that we are rightly dividing the Word of truth. So what is applicable for us today on this side of the cross? Now, knowing that, knowing that, if we're not careful, we start looking at people who don't believe everything that we believe, and we start separating ourselves from them. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus tells them on several occasions, several occasions, the Son of Man will die, but he will come back. The Son of Man will die, but he will be resurrected. Right here, John chapter 20, Mary thinks that Jesus is still dead. Now, is she right to believe that he's dead? Of course not. Jesus is alive. She had wrong believing. She, in fact, let's say it like this. She was in unbelief. She believed Jesus was still dead. And clearly he's not. Now, now knowing this, knowing this again, why did no one ever tell us this? <laughs> right? Why did no one tell us this? Watch this. One more time. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Now let's fast forward to verse 13. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. She thinks Jesus is dead. She's in unbelief. Verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener said to him, sir, if you've carried him, carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Now, she thinks she's going to just grab Jesus and walk away with Jesus. <laughs> but she's in love. She's in love with who? Jesus. You know what this verse tells me? God prioritizes. Look, watch this. I, and this, this, man, this gets me excited. God prioritizes a love for Jesus over accurate theology. I mean it. God cares more about your love for Jesus than he does about all the Bible knowledge in the world. There are some people who can read the Bible front to back, back to front. They can quote every scripture for you, tell you where the verse reference is, tell you the chapter. I mean, they can tell you everything about the Bible and some. But God cares more about people who have a heart for Jesus than he does for all the Bible knowledge in the world. Of all the theologians who had studied the word of God, of all, even, listen, even the disciples. Think about it this way. Who was the one that did most of the talking of the 12? Peter. Peter. Who was the one who said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved? John. John talked about Jesus loving him more than every other disciple. John was receiving the love that God had for him on a constant basis. John talked about himself, I am the one that Jesus loves. But do you know that all of that still came second place to a woman who loved Jesus? I mean, she just loved Jesus. And you know what that tells me? People who love Jesus, he says, I have more for you than for everyone else. My heart for you, my hope for you is that you fall head over heels in love with Jesus. And my heart, my hope is that you say, I refuse to hear anyone else who won't talk about him. Because anyone who doesn't help me fall more in love with him, you're not helping. You're not helping. Now watch this. To all the people Jesus appeared to first, 
who did he appear to before everyone else? Mary. The one who loved Jesus. The one who was in love with him. He appears to her first. Watch this. Jesus said to her, verse 16, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Now we skip verse 17. That's Mary. Unbelief. And what did she get? Jesus is back. Skip, skip verse 17. Look at verse 18. Mary Magdalene, the same Mary. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Aren't you glad that not only did she not believe, she did the wrong thing? Unbelief and she did the wrong thing. She went to the tomb looking for him. It wasn't, wasn't good enough that she didn't believe he would be resurrected. She had to also go to the tomb. Aren't you glad when you believe the wrong thing and do the wrong thing, Jesus will still appear. Jesus will still give you the miracle. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that, she had spoken these, that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now watch this. His presence brings peace. Do you see that? He came and stood in the midst and said what? Peace. His presence brings peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Notice joy comes from his wounds. When the presence of Jesus, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is in a church, there will be peace. When you invite the Lord into your house, there will be peace. Because his presence brings peace. But when you talk about his wounds, and when you see Christ clearly crucified, portrayed clearly as crucified, as Paul said it, Joy will fill your heart. Isn't it interesting in the Old Testament, God said they will go out with joy and be led forth by peace. You'll go out with joy. Why? Because you have seen what I did to save you. You'll have seen what I did to qualify you for everything that you'll ever need. And they'll go out with joy and you'll be led forth by peace. Meaning what? The presence of God will follow you all the days of your life. Watch this. One more time. Where were they, verse 19, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled? What were they doing? They were terrified. Unbelief. Unbelief. <laughs> they didn't believe that, number one, God could save them. Number two, that Jesus would be alive. Unbelief. And in fear, they did the wrong thing. Yet, what happens? Jesus still appears. I'm telling you, all your failures have not disqualified you. If anything, your failures at, up to this point, they have only qualified you. Because grace is not for those who have earned it. Grace is not for people who are qualified. Grace is for the unqualified. Well, what if, I, what, what if I'm still faltering in my belief? Aren't you glad Jesus will still appear? Aren't you glad grace will still manifest for you? In fact, take it this way. Stop expecting God to give you what you have earned. And start expecting God to give you everything that you're unqualified for. If you're unqualified for it, start thanking God that you'll get it. I'm serious. Just start thanking God. Lord, I don't know what to do. So I'm so glad because I don't know what to do, I'll still get it. In fact, last, um, last it wasn't Wednesday, it was Tuesday, right? Last Tuesday, we were at your house. Last Tuesday, if you saw on Facebook, we did a, a midweek meditation. I did it with my mom. And uh, I, I, was asked, I asked her to take the lead. And she opened up to Romans and she started talking about Abraham. And what she shared about Abraham was, again, in spite of what Abraham should have expected, he still believed and he got the miracle. Abraham, as we know, did not believe God 100%, yet he still got it. Jesus has qualified you.
And everyone said? Amen. Now let me close with this last verse. Is that all right? Last verse, real quick. What happens if you don't preach this message? What happens if you don't tell people that Christ has qualified them and in their unbelief they will still receive? What happens? Watch this. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's close with this. Verse 5 says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it so important to not be barren in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because the knowledge of Jesus, just two verses before this, the knowledge of Jesus will cause grace and peace to be multiplied in your life. You want more grace? Make sure all these things are added to the knowledge of Jesus and you'll never be barren. Now, if we're not careful and we stop here, people say, well, that means I have to work on self-control. That means I have to work on brotherly kindness. That means I have to work on what? Uh, Diligence and what else? Uh, Perseverance. I have to work on all these things, godliness, so that I'll never be barren in the knowledge. Right? But watch this. With God, everything is a fruit. Everything is a fruit. With God, he never wants you to focus on the fruit. He just wants you to focus on the root. The root is the one. The fruit is the many. You do the one, he'll take care of the many. Are you ready? Watch this and we'll close with this. What happens to a person who doesn't hear this message? For he who lacks these things, lacks what? Godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, self-control. He who is missing in self-control is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) If you're missing anything or any area, all you have to do is focus on the one thing. All my sin has been forgiven. And the more you focus on that, all the others will come. Self-control, godliness, brotherly kindness, virtue. I mean, come on, uh, the other ones. What is it? Perseverance. (laughs) All these things will come to you. All you have to do is focus on what? My sin has been forgiven. You focus on that, all the rest will come. I'm telling you, the, the ideal Christian is not one who walks around and knows every single verse. The ideal Christian is one who knows, I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven, and I am still forgiven. Well, what happens when you fail tomorrow? I will still be forgiven. What happens two years from now? I'll still be forgiven. I saw what you just did just a minute ago, but I'm still forgiven. <laughs> Won't that make lazy Christians? No. It will make happy Christians. Jesus said people who know how much they're forgiven, they fall in love. Are you with me? When you know how much you're forgiven, you will fall in love. And when you love him, he prioritizes you. Aren't you glad you're not disqualified? Aren't you glad you can't disqualify yourself? And let me say this before I let you go. Let me say this. Always expect the best. Always expect the best. Don't let any mistake you've ever made make you think you deserve anything less. Expect God's best. And definitely expect the things you're not qualified for. That's his gift to you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I love you. I'm going to let you go. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that has qualified everyone in here. Everyone in here. We have been qualified by your precious son. And this morning, I ask, Father, for everyone in here. I ask that as we see more of what Jesus has done, Father, 
Whatever thing that has been out of reach, that thing that anyone in here, everyone in here has not asked you for because it seemed like it was out of reach. Father, I ask that you begin to put things in motion that begin to draw those things into their hands. Even this morning, Lord, whatever has been in anyone's heart in here that they have not asked you for because it seemed like it was out of reach. Father, I ask that you give it to them this morning in Jesus name. I ask, Father, that you give it to them in Jesus name, Father. As Jesus has qualified us for what we were unqualified for, we receive it this morning in Jesus' name. And Father, I just say right now that we receive it peacefully and we receive it easily with no problems attached to it. Father, I thank you that the enemy might try to make it seem like it will be a difficult thing, but this morning we receive your peace and we thank you that it will come easily. We thank you for it, Lord, this morning. If you would, just take a moment real quick before we close. Just take a moment. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.